You are listening to the Echo Church Podcast, and we are on a mission of rescue and restoration into a vibrant and fulfilled life. Welcome to a special podcast series here at Echo Church. The last few weeks, we've heard from Pastor Andy Cass and Scott Scholl discuss a very real and shocking new reality for most of us. However, they've encouraged us to take advantage of this time and join together as an online community. Today, we'll hear more on the power of prayer and fasting and why it is so important to lean into God now more than ever. Please continue to gather with us each Sunday at 10 a.m. where we will be streaming our services on YouTube and Facebook. Go back to that Second Chronicles 7. Okay. In a previous episode, I talked about just taking Scripture slow, and i just been kind of like chewing on this Scripture. And it says, you know, I had mentioned this already, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven. I will respond. That's in essence what it says. Today, just today, I just started looking up the word, the Hebrew word for pray. And I found it absolutely intriguing and in what I found. I love going to first references in scripture for words that I'm intrigued about to try to get the best, let scripture interpret scripture, to get the best connotation or get the better, just the better understanding of maybe what is being said by this word pray specifically in Second Chronicles. And this is what I found. The very first reference in that scripture is is Genesis 20, verse 7. And I think you're going to laugh about this, God. It's where Abram gives his wife away and tells the king... That it's his sister. That it's his sister. (laughs) So, that's the first reference to this word pray. Okay. Which I'm correlating prayer and fast together, because that's a scriptural kind of like... Mm -hmm kind of like a button, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. The two sides, they kind of just go together. So, Abram gives his wife away and God says to the king, return his wife. So, he's speaking to this king, which should help you understand this king was actually in tune with Abram's God Mm -hmm. in some respect, okay? But Abram was fearful of that king and that's the reason why he gave his wife away. And really try to take things into his own hands. Yes. He tried to control it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> so God says, hey, return his wife so that he will pray for you and that you shall live. I mean, just soak that in. Absolutely. This word prayer means, or pray, specifically in that Hebrew reference, it's Hebrew word 6419 for those that want to know the reference. It means to intervene, to mediate or to pray. Those are some words that can interconnect. So, in essence, it's saying, uh, God is saying to this king, return his wife so he may mediate for you and live. If you skip down a few verses, eventually you'll see Abram intervened or mediated to God. God healed the king. So, just think about it. Abram is God's chosen vessel who starts this whole thing right here, mm-hmm. why we're sitting here. Absolutely. And the very first reference of this pray has this concept of mediation. I'm saying this to make this point. We as Christians are called to mediate in a chaotic world. Mm. 
I'm not saying that because we have something special. Sure. But just simply, we have a calling. And that God is calling us at this very moment to pray, to mediate to God. One of the words that stands out to me in verse 14, you went to the word pray. There's an adjective in basically every translation that's used before pray right there, which is always humble yourself or humbly pray. Mm -hmm. And what I'm curious about is, Every time prayer is referenced, the word humbly is not before it. But in this specific spot, it is. And I'm curious what that looks like. Is that a scenario where, so I've read about a dozen definitions of what humble or humbly means from a biblical standpoint. I've read some. I wonder if that's a scenario where people have to give up control. If that's why that's a humble, that's why the the reference of humble is there. Because people can't try to solve this on their own. They have got to trust God and stop trying to fix it on their own. It's all about letting go on their end. Yep. And I was curious what you think about that. Yeah, so what I think about it, because I've done study on that word as well. I kind of thought you had. That's why I set you <laughs> up right there. It means to be low, subdued, subjection, to fall to one knees. Okay. A word that we use at Echo quite a bit is surrender. Absolutely. That if we were going to paraphrase it in a modern day, verbiage or echo verbiage, it would be if one would surrender yourself and pray. Absolutely. Which is letting go of you figuring out the solution. Yes. It's letting go of you being the the reason things are going to work out instead it's solely on God. I am fasting because I have surrendered to this simple fact. I cannot change what's going on physically. I can't. There's nothing that I can do. I mean, I can act in wisdom as the government asked us to do. But I know I over, I mean, when I look in myself, look, look in the mirror, I just know that I can't do anything. But what I can do is surrender. See, I wonder when I read that word humble and humbly, I feel like fasting is a way to humbly pray. Mm -hmm. I feel like yes. you have kind of lowered, like you've given up this thing. You've so to me, I, you've multiple times said prayer and fasting kind of go together. Part of me feels like in this Second Chronicles verse that that is very much referenced right there as well. Or just, just a way for us to, to humble ourselves is to, to let go of this thing that holds us so tightly culturally. I mean, you mentioned sugar, but food holds us pretty tightly as a culture. A lot of what yeah, we even community-based. Yeah, in a community. Yeah. I mean, a lot of our social activities are built around food. Mm -hmm. We've done these different things. So this is a way for us to humbly pray in some ways is to let go of this thing we've held so tight to. Yeah. You probably are I know you're asking me this. You want to hear the first references. Please. Let's go. Of this word, right? Yes, I it's do. Leviticus twenty six. Okay. Which if you know anything about the Bible, like Leviticus is like where people head in to and they never return. It's true. You know, it's like this. If, unless they make it to numbers, then that's where it ends. Yeah, but dude, Levit Leviticus is crazy. I mean, there's some, some things that are really hard to understand, but it says this, if, if, okay, I love that word, if. And by the way, in Second Chronicles, that word shows up right there too. Sure. If my people, okay. God understood that a lot of us aren't going to do it, mm. but he also understands that some of us will. If then their uncircumcised hearts are humbled and they make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, Isaac, and Abram 
and I will remember their land, and their land will be abandoned, and it will enjoy its Sabbath. Now, this is a little bit of a tangent. I think this, we're, we're just tangent people. But, but listen to this. Man, when I read that word Sabbath, I resonated because this is the gift that the world has right now. We think that our hope and what we hold on to and what we work for is what keeps the world moving. Mm-hmm. But what God is about to show is it's not what we do, but it's what he does Come on. that makes this world turn. I just went walking with my neighbors to Whitewater State Park. Mm-hmm. That was kind of our social distance kind of thing that we did. It was like, we're going to go where most people aren't. And I got on, t- I got on top of a, a bluff and I looked over and I felt like the Lord whispered to me, do you see how this world is turning? Do you see how this beauty is so present, even in the midst of this internal chaos and emotional breakdown of society and marketing and all that stuff, sure. you know how it is. But so I, bottom line is, man, I have so much hope. That other reference I want to make reference to this, because I think it's, it's worth saying, is the Deuteronomy 9.1. It's the Shema, Shema, O Israel, which is your Lord, your God is one. It's this listen and obey type of concept. And eventually it says, know therefore today, he goes before you as a consuming fire, the Lord your God, he will humble them. So we're in the process of being humbled. Okay. Remember this. It's not because of your righteousness or for the fact that you're upright. Come on. It's God. He's going to do something. And I'm telling you, fasting puts you in this position. And if you're positioning and you're leveraging yourself like, no, I got to make myself righteous and I'm going to fast. That's not what you're doing it for. That's right. You're doing it because you are being obedient to what God is asking. And he's not going to move because you're fasting. But he might move in you because you're obedient. That's powerful. That's a good thought. Do you think, you mentioned the word Sabbath a little bit and things like that. One of the powers of the Sabbath is that you're reminded one out of seven days that the world rotates without you. Yep. Like that things still move on. God's still in control. And a lot of us are working from home and doing things differently. But we're being reminded in a pretty big way right now that world's still moving. It's still rotating without us. A lot of people aren't at work right now. A lot of people are doing things way different. Their life has been turned upside down in a lot of ways. What an interesting reminder that God is still God. But not all people see it. And they won't see it like that. And that's part of my prayer. That's good. Is after this all comes and goes, we see something different. Mm. And we don't just see it but we hold on to it and it changes the rest of our life. That's my hope. That's my prayer. Let's go back to this word pray. I know we jumped into the humble, but this pray concept, there's some other intriguing scriptures that I think are just really just worth mentioning. In Numbers 11 verse 2, and this is all reading out of my journal. So if, if <laughs> some of you are like, man, that's not what it said. Just understand this is me paraphrasing it in the moment. This morning, you know, says the people cried to Moses and Moses prayed. He interceded to the Lord and the fire died down. Okay. Numbers 21, seven says this, that we have sinned. 
pray, mediate, intervene to the Lord, that he would take away these serpents. And it says, then Moses, what did he do? Prayed for the people. He prayed for the people. Come on. Deuteronomy 9. The Lord was so angry with Aaron that he was ready to destroy him. You know what moment that is? It's the Ten Commandments. Moses is coming down the mountain, sure. right, with these tablets, and he comes down to find this golden, golden image calf. of a calf. You know, like, and that, didn't, that was 40 days, man. Just think about what 40 days can do. Like, 40 days is going to make this world better, or it's going to make it worse. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, you go ahead and respond to that. No, I just, the one thing I think is, like, when New Year's Day rolls around and people have these, like, big ambitions for this new person they're going to be over the next year, and you do all these things, and one of my favorite things about reading stories in the Bible, and I love the references to things like 40 days, is everything can change in 40 days. The rain came down for 40 days and Mm -hmm. the world looked a lot different. Jesus fasted for 40 days, then his ministry started. Like, there's just these things. And I think sometimes we assume that we've got to, we got to get this figured out for 10 years and then God's going to do something cool. And I think it's very possible that these 40 days could be the time where God moves in your life like he's never moved before. I don't think I know. See, come on. (laughs) I know. And not only that, and this is, there can be, like, I want to see God move in my life and my family's life. But I also believe that if we are willing to take these steps and we'll step out, I think there's an impact that's much greater than our immediacy. Will you stop saying think? Uh, sorry. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> As a nine, everything, nothing's definitive, right? So, Say that so, again, though, man. Build some faith in us, man. Like, what, what do you want? What, what you... I think is really powerful is when I spend time in prayer, when I spend time in the Word, when I fast, when I pursue God with my whole heart, I believe it makes a difference in my family. But I also believe that it makes a difference in those around me. I think it makes a difference in our community. I think it makes a difference in, even if we just boil it down to our church, I think it makes a difference in who, so I just think there's a powerful piece to this, that one, you will see life change in 40 days. But I think the people around you will be impacted during those 40 days as well. You said think, think about three times there. So we're just going to, you know, you guys just are taking change it notes. to believe no. Just change it to the word no. Let me finish the story. Deuteronomy. The Lord was angry with Aaron, and he was ready to just destroy him. And then it says, Moses, Moses more or less said, I prayed for Aaron. But listen to verse tw- uh, 25. This is what Moses did. So I fell down before the Lord, and I laid there for 40 days, and I prayed. There is this posture yes. that you can see in what I just read in Scripture. To humble yourself is almost this stubborn, like, notion and action of saying, God, I ain't moving until you move. Come on. And guess what happened here? Moses changed God's mind. Think about, I always think about these moments with Jesus where, like, there's a few times in Scripture where Jesus kind of shrugs people off a little bit. And the person responds back with a stubborn nature. And I think Jesus is receptive to that. You know, there's a woman who wants her daughter healed and she has to, she like negotiates with Jesus. Or there is a, you know, the centurion who is trying to get his, his guy healed. He negotiates a little bit with Jesus. I think there's something powerful in sort of the stubbornness of I'm not moving until you do something awesome. Mm -hmm. 
And it's shown over and over again. And then it's, it's shown in Matthew when we read this, the scripture, like knock, knock at the door, mm-hmm. ask the question, pursue big things, see what God can do. It's super powerful, man. Yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm just going to keep picking on you a little bit. Did I say think again? No, no, no. But let's yeah. stop saying think and let's begin to knock. Yeah, that's good. Let's not just think. Yes. Oh, yeah, Andy and Scott, that's a great idea. I, yeah. think, I think you're right. Absolutely. And then go back and do the same thing you've always done, that's expecting right. different results. I remember I had a speech teacher, really, really smart guy and really nice guy, but also was really hard on me in moments because I was not always the best at living up to potential to throw that out there. But he, we had to write a persuasive speech. And his whole point was getting people to think a little bit different is super easy. You can change people's minds in little ways, but can you get them to act? Hmm. Persuasion is act. So back to the point, let's believe God can do something awesome for the next 40 days and let's act it out like we know that's the case. Let's be those people, man. Let's be somebody who, I mean, let's be somebody who down the road, we get to hear God say, because of that time, this happened. Because of your faithfulness, God, I was able to do this. Because of those things, this is what we saw happen. Just let's make this a watershed moment in life, man. Let this be a a huge faith-building moment for all of us. In the church, outside the church, let's see God move. Dude. Come on. Come on, come on, Scotty Pasta. People can't even see my hands flailing around like a goofball over here either. It's so great. Okay, so let's equip people. We've kind of given the why in a long, we tried to be short, but we just can't uh, way. I tried to just show you a little bit biblically why we fast, mm-hmm. but how do we fast? I think in today's age, it's, it's very important to when you fast, that you have a plan that you don't just think about it, but you you legitimately write it all down. Mm, Keep yourself good. accountable to it because I've started fast and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the Daniel fast for seven days and then the weekend comes. Absolutely. And I'm like, there's that chocolate tort. I gotta eat that. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just I'll do the first five days. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So like you know, you, you, you know, you're guilty. I'm so guilty. And uh, so am I. More often than not, actually. So the plan is this, is write down some, some, some fences, I suppose, if we can call it that, or some guidelines. And so I have made it very clear that for the next, you know, for this, from the start of my fast is seven days on a Daniel fast. Would you do one thing and just mention a little bit, you mentioned sugar, but would you just mention a little bit of what Yeah, let's talk about the Daniel fast. Let me tell you about a resource actually, because I know that y'all want to get something from Amazon or purchase it online uh, with Kindle or whatever it might be. But go ahead and buy The Daniel Fast by Susan Gregory. The Daniel Fast by Susan Gregory. What I love about it is it's got a lot of why stuff, but then it, it's it got like super practical steps and how to be successful within a Daniel Fast. In fact, it has like tons of what are these called? Recipes. Recipes. And uh, it's great. But uh, let, let me read one little excerpt. Please. Just because I have it dog-eared. Yep. And that's what I do to my book. So it says, during your fast, you will have to put the Holy Spirit in charge, forcing your flesh and your body to submit to the ways of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help you make choices about what to eat and how much. Mm. So buy that book. It's a great book. 
it's going to really help you succeed if you so choose to do a Daniel type of fast. But really, the basic way to understand a Daniel fast is everything from the ground. Mm-hmm. Everything from the ground that isn't necessarily reproduced. Processed. And processed. Yep. yep. So, like, if you're going to eat wheat, it's whole wheat. It's not that processed mm-hmm. white flour, things like that. Sure. You don't eat cheese. You're not going to do the dairy. You can't do meat. You can't do sugar. So it's really a plant-based diet. Absolutely. A few different times in our life, we've done it as a 21-day fast and just inevitably start to view food just a little bit differently. And eventually, maybe you go back to viewing it the way you did before. But I just, it's interesting to me to see how God can move when we are willing to just even tweak things a little bit. So in yeah. this case, over the, the, these first seven days, you haven't decided you're going to not eat anything. You've just put a lot of ram- like a lot of like guardrails on what you will and won't eat. Yep. And so what's the difference between doing this Daniel fast and fasting from food for you personally? Like why, why did you choose this seven days to do this? Uh, I like the Daniel fast, I guess, versus a like a lunch or supper or sure. breakfast fast. Because what I've noticed is, although I do change some of my rhythms, I want to be completely reminded throughout my day and through the week that I'm doing something significant. So it's a way to commit for an entire week. Yes. And that makes total sense. I love that idea. Because I mean, just think about the practicalities. And I know some of you are guilty in doing this. You're like, man, I'm going to fast lunch. But you ate at 11 a.m. <laughs> I saw you eat the banana. I <laughs> I saw you eat the Snickers bar. I mean, let's be honest. That's what you did. But you just skipped lunch. And when you even skipped lunch, you probably didn't even pray. You thought about God for a second and <laughs> ate at two o'clock. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and again, everybody's got to do what they've got to do and what the Spirit's leading you to do. But kind of like my personality, it just really works well with the Daniel Fast. And so I understand that other personalities, man, and like that one meal a day type of thing really works. And you're really going to put yourself, lay yourself aside and create a space and a time to really connect with God. I find it better for me to do an extended fast like this, where I'm just fully present and aware almost every moment of the day that I don't have sugar and I don't, I'm not, you know, eating meat. And sure eating my candy and snacks. That makes total sense. That's awesome. So the Daniel fast. The other thing that I, I kind of, I've done in the past and I'm not, cause I'm just super busy right now mm-hmm. trying to just keep things rolling. Right. What I've done in the past is I've made other type of eliminations for my life. Okay. Like sports radio, like Daniel fast, Daniel fast and sports radio. There had been a time where I would drive about 30 minutes a day to and from you know, total uh, mm-hmm. work. And it was super easy just to turn on absolutely the radio. Other times there's been, if it's not sports radio, it's podcast. I think some of the best time is drive time with prayer. And so during the extended times of fasting, I would kind of consecrate, if that's a big spiritual word of just setting apart, I would set aside my drive time to really, really just hang with God. Mm-hmm. I've tried to make some really deliberate decisions on my drive, which is a long drive. And not turn on anything Mm -hmm. for like the first 20 minutes of my drive. That's great. Like no music, no nothing. Like try to do zero things and just really focus. That's awesome. So yeah, fasting. There's just so many different ways about it. You can go. Other people, 
you know, in this digital age, they fast Facebook, sure, Instagram, TV. Those are all good things. And I would suggest doing any of those or adding that to your fast. Mm-hmm. And I and for our mental health, I think the best thing we could do is honestly fast the news. Amen. Fast those things that you're looking to that you think you're going to find some hope in, but when you shut it off, you're hopeless. Yeah, nobody leaves the news with a smile on their face. Let's just be honest. Today's a great day to start. And I don't start something because I'm good at it. I start something because I'm going to get better. That's good. So that's where we're at right now, at this moment. You're like, man, I don't know how to fast. Well, just do a Daniel fast for one day. Don't eat any sugar. Don't eat any meat. Products of any sort. No dairy, no nothing. Don't do any of that. And set time, you know, three times in one day to put some work music on, open up your Bible and seek God and journal about it and see what the Lord says. What's the worst thing that can happen? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you have any questions regarding prayer and fasting, please feel free to email us at hey at weartheecho.church. We'd love to hear from you. For more on this topic, make sure you subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Again, we want you to remember that we are in this together and Echo Church is here for you. This episode was produced and mixed by Just Hit Publish Productions.